You're listening to episode three of the Tennis Files podcast. It's Snowmageddon. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the third episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. On this episode, I am honored to speak with former ATP professional Paul Harsani. Paul is going to give you his insight on what it takes to be a successful tennis player at the highest levels of the game. He is going to tell us the keys to succeeding in matches, mental tricks to help you win the big points, what it takes to play at the pro level, and specific ways to train to be the very best player you can possibly be. There's over 30 inches of snow on the ground here in Maryland, and I am a bit under the weather, but that didn't stop me from getting some awesome advice from Paul on how to become a great tennis player. And without further ado, here's the interview. Hey everybody, we're here with Paul Harsani, a former ATP pro who has decades of experience competing at the highest levels of tennis. Paul, how are you doing today? Good, Maribon. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. No problem, Paul. It's truly an honor to have you on the show. You've had a ton of experience, obviously, playing at the highest levels of the sport, and um, it's really going to be a lot of great stuff that we're going to get from you today by speaking to us. So, yeah, first off, I want to thank you also for speaking with us in the middle of a snowstorm uh, here in D.C. It's coming down pretty hard. Uh, is it also snowing in your area? Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, we're out, out here in Gaithersburg. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely pretty bad. But, you know, it's no snow all year. So definitely excited to have a little bit of snow. But it sounds like it's, yeah, it's going to be a really big one. Yeah, so I... You know, all the uh, stock food and stuff are gone, right? but we're good. We went to Costco a few days ago, but um, good, good. enough of my life. Uh, I just want to introduce Paul and tell you a little bit about him. So Paul has been, you know, he had been crushing it in the juniors in the mid-Atlantic section here, and then he played college tennis at UNC, I believe, mm-hmm. and then he went on to uh, play on the ATP Tour. And he reached around about 700 in the rankings. Yeah, it was like 751, actually, to be exact, on the ATP. So it was, um, yeah, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough to succeed on the tour. And what I first remember uh, hearing Paul's name back a few years ago because he actually qualified for the Leg Mason Tennis Classic, which is now known as the City Open. I believe for was it three times? Was it Paul? So yeah, it's three times in singles and then two times in doubles. So it was um it was really fortunate. There was a tournament that where if you won it, it was um a tournament that was open to anyone. It was a uh, it's called the Wild Card Challenge, and it was open to any player. And if you won that tournament, then you got a wild card in the draw, and then there was also a double. So you know you had a lot of top guys playing it um, with world rankings, top college guys. So it was um, a great experience, definitely for a local guy growing up. That's you know it's obviously always a dream to play at the Leg Mason tournament. So it was um, a dream come true for me and for obviously a lot of other people who got to um, play in that and play in the play in the main event. Yeah, you know it was really fun watching you. Obviously, as the uh, the local guy 
pulling for you. And you've had a lot of great success. I, I kind of stalked your player profile, and I saw that you've definitely had some really close matches with some players who've gone on to have uh, top 100 rankings, like I think Christoph Rokas, who mm-hmm. got to number 38 in the world. Uh, Paul went three sets with him, and I've, I've seen you've beaten some players in the top 300. So it's very impressive. Um, so Paul knows a ton about tennis. And I just want to say uh, a little bit about how I met Paul. I actually play in the uh, USDA leagues, and uh, I ended up playing Paul in a singles match, and he beat me up pretty well. But, you know, he, I found out that he's a, a super nice guy. And so afterwards, I asked if I could hit with him, and he did. So we've hit a few times since then, and I've been fortunate to uh, play against him because I've definitely learned a lot in competing against a player as good as Paul. So, Paul, let's get into the questions for today as far as competing in tennis because that's what we want to uh, learn from you. Our first uh, question for you is, tell us about some of the roadblocks that you faced starting with your junior career. I got started, I was playing probably at the age of nine. So I really, um, you know, from the age of nine, I had a real love for the game. And I, I remember going on the the tennis wall, Cabin John. Uh, there was these huge walls and I used to just go out there and play all day. And I'd, I'd go out there with my dad and be hitting for hours. And he was, you know, he was a... He was an okay player, and I'd play with him. But I'd be on. I remember I'd be on that wall, and with my brothers, I had two brothers who also played. But you know, when I started competing, you know, I remember I lost my first tournament. It was probably six oh six one, and I was just so happy to be out there and compete. I was so happy to get that first game, and um, I really tried to just, you know, at that point, I tried really hitting a lot of balls and just working really hard. But, but as I started when I was like 10 years old and started playing some more of the higher level tournaments and mid-Atlantic tournaments, it was definitely nerve wracking. So, you know, starting out playing those events, I was definitely real nervous before the events. And, you know, even if I would, was a favorite to win, I would, I would be nervous. And that was definitely a hard thing at such a young age. So I think what really helped me realize, I can't remember who told me, but they said, look, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to lose. But also, you know, look, if there's pressure out there, pressure is a chance to prove yourself. So if you could prove yourself under pressure, then, hey, that's that's all the better. And, and that, that really kind of helped me focus on not worrying so much about being nervous and the final outcome. But, you know, it really, you know, the roadblock that I had early, real early on in my junior career. And I think that really kind of helped me. And I, I love what you just said, because it, it's really a key when you hit these roadblocks or you have fears to just have that drive and passion to succeed and to prove people wrong in a sense. And, and yeah, that's exactly what you did. You turned a tough situation into uh, I'm going to persevere over this attitude. And so that's pretty awesome. Um, so as far as gameplay, what are some what were some uh, keys to succeeding against uh, other junior players? Was it consistency or having a big weapon or did it kind of change over time for you as you got older? Yeah, you know, when I started playing from an early age, consistency was was the key. I started working with Nancy Ornstein and she just kind of um just really hammered it home that you could not miss a ball and she had this amazing tennis um program over at um it was uh pooks hill and there was some great you know every great player you could think of who you know was from 10 18 would play there from time to time some of them more often than not it was paul goldstein was there alex kim reed cordish there was patrick asuna there's so many great guys um 
Harris Rosenblatt played there. So it was, you know, it was really great. And, you know, she had this motto, no pain, no gain. So Mm -hmm. what it was is she would work you. I mean, I remember her lessons. She would move me side to side to side. And it was just I mean, you were like sweating and you were working so hard and she was, you know, screaming, you can't miss a ball. I mean, it was just, it was really from a young age that got, you know, instilled in me. And then really from there on, it was about getting weapons and trying to get your serve going. And, you know, as I, you know, got older in the juniors, I started working with Vesa Ponka, who was, Mm -hmm. you know, just an amazing person and an amazing coach as well. He's over at the big tennis center in College Park now. Mm Mm-hmm. And he really, um, you know, same thing. He was super, super focused on working hard, which, you know, obviously is is one of the the critical pieces in succeeding in juniors from every level. And so that was really great. And also hit some with Tony Moe. And he was an ATP player as well. And so Vesa played on the ATP tour. And, you know, Nancy was actually top 30 in the world, you know. So, I mean, you're talking about some some amazing people who really, you know, knew what it took to, um, you know, to compete on the tour. That was great to have that. You know, a lot of those names are very recognizable to, to me as well as I'm sure a lot of our audience. Um, Nancy Ornstein is definitely a legend in the area for her coaching. She's coached so many great players, like you said. Um, I actually had a v- lesson with Vesa one time, Vesa Punka at College Park, and I remember... I mean, I felt like I was almost going to die out there. He, uh, he, was so, right. he was so intense. I mean, he's like feet right. always moving. And right. then I, I think I had to beg him for, for a glass of water. Like he, he didn't want to let me go. <laughs> but uh, he, right. he did, you know, once. But that was definitely a great experience. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, and I, I just want to ask you about the importance of surrounding yourself with so many great players, because that's one thing that I wrote about in uh, one of my articles is tennisfiles.com slash mistakes. And basically one of them is just to try to find the best players you can and train with them. So how did uh, training mm-hmm. with these great players elevate your game? You know, obviously those, those were my coaches. That was, that was great to have them as, you know, a, a really centerpiece in my training, obviously, but then also playing with players that are going to push you in practice. I mean, that's, that was obviously key. So, you know, we're, I was fortunate to have, you know, a lot of great players and, in you know, to play with and in my era, but also it was important for, you know, let's say if I was 12 years old or 14 years old to try to hit with a 16 year old or an 18 year old Mm -hmm. and try to push yourself and, that was something that I always try to do is is play with the older kids if you know if if at all possible. And then you know what I also did was I would play up in the age group competition. So you know I, I remember before at fourteen I was playing eighteens sectionals and you know as much as I could. Obviously you know I was always playing my own age group and playing you know trying to qualify for the nationals through my own age group because the competition was so hard nationwide, but playing in sectionals, you know, whenever available, I think it really helped um, understand where you want your game to be playing the top, you know, when you're 14, playing the top guys in the 18s, you know, if you're able to compete with them, trying to, you know, realize where your where your game needs to go, um, if you want to excel and you want to take your game to the next level. So that, um, that was something I felt was really, um, really helped a lot. Right, definitely agreed. And just for everybody out there, you you, know, you shouldn't be afraid to try to find players who are a bit above your level because they're, they're going to help push you and help you improve your game just like Paul did. And as he said, he kept doing this. He kept 
playing with other players and also playing up in his age group and challenging himself in competitive play. And that's why he was able to do so well and make the tour uh, and do well there. But um, so, Paul, shifting to uh, your college career, can you tell us about uh, how college helped further develop your game? You know, I think college, I, I think college really was a great experience. Um, you know, you're, you're playing for a team where, you know, as a junior, you're just playing for yourself and it's a totally different atmosphere. You're really trying to help your team and you're trying to win a championship, win a national championship, ACC championship. So, you know, it's really, um, it was a great experience for me. And there was a lot of people who I competed with, you know, as a junior, you know, ended up going pro. I, I had a couple guys who were top in the 18s and one guy got a big sponsorship and another guy was, you know, already doing pretty well on the tour. So they tried it. But I realized that college really was the right place to go. You know, you're always going to have your education and you can never take that away. You know, there's, there's, you know, who knows if you can make it on the tour or not. And, you know, the other issue is if you try to play on the tour before college, then um, and if you accept, you know, a certain amount of prize money, then you won't be, you won't be eligible to play in college. And so if you can do great in college, then obviously you can give yourself a shot on the pro tour. But I was obviously realistic that there's only so many people that can make a living on the pro tour. So I realized that college was a critical step and it was, you know, it was going to be an education but in terms of college we we obviously had great coaching in college as well and there was great players to play with on my team as well there was um you know the number one guy is david caldwell and he was a top guy in college and got to top 200 on the atp tour there's another one of my college roommates who trip phillips who made it to the semifinals of the u.s open in doubles mm. and he was a great guy he was um I think he was top 30 in the world in doubles and, you know, numerous other guys on my team, you know, either had played on the tour or, you know, or top in juniors. And so that really helped playing with those guys, playing day in, day out, practicing and really trying to work hard, and, you know, have fun too. That was a huge thing about tennis is it really made tennis fun where, you know, sometimes there's a pressure in juniors of just being on your own and there's really not much you know, you know not, no one else to really support you other than your coach, obviously your parents and your friends, but playing for a team was definitely a unique experience that I'm just so glad that I did it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right. And cause it's definitely, as you said, a unique experience and it's so much fun. Um, I'm, I had the pleasure of playing college tennis as well at UMBC. And I do want to just make a comment that what you did as far as 
going to college, it was a smart choice. I mean, you have guys who are even on the tour today, like John Isner, Samdev Devarman, and Paul Goldstein uh, also, like you mentioned, went to college. And, you know, when you have an education to back you up in case you don't make the tour or if you're not successful enough, that's huge. Um, so just, you know, you just got to be realistic, like Paul said, and just figure out. I mean, if you're a phenom, obviously, you can try the tour and you'll probably do well. But otherwise, um, college right. is is so much fun. You you can develop your game there in some cases for free if you can get a scholarship. And it's it's an awesome time. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And Paul, do you remember any... Any drill, like maybe one drill that that really helped you in college that kind of sticks out in your mind? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it wasn't a, a good amount of time ago, and you know, there was definitely a lot of transition drills that mm-hmm. we did in college that really helped transition because taking your game from the level, you know, being a successful junior to being a successful college player, you do have to have that develop your transition game. So there was it was a two ball from the baseline, come in, approach shot, two volleys, um, overhead. If you can really get that drill down, um, that was really helpful. There was also a drill where you really try to play to your strengths. And there was a drill where you would hit forehands from pretty someone would feed you the ball and there would be you know maybe four balls fed and let's just say I I was a left-hander so there would be one to my um, left-hand corner then it would be a little bit over to the right then over to the right then all the way over to the court and then I'd be hitting it inside out and then I'd have to run back all the way to hit the four balls again and that really if you could develop your weapon be it forehand backhand um whatever it is that drill um really helped and it really helped hone um getting around the ball because you know if you can hit the majority of shots on a forehand i mean when i was playing college tennis and felt like i was in good shape you know i was really if i could hit 70 percent or more of forehands in a match i felt like i had a good chance to win if i was playing well and obviously moving well so um so that was really this you know i think those two drills do stick out in my mind as two drills that that did help in terms of transition and playing to your strengths yeah paul i mean i can definitely echo uh, the importance of those concepts that you need to drill in into your game your transition game i mean when i played juniors i was a baseliner and then at some point you have to come into the net to finish the point and so for a long time uh and even today it's it's still not my strength just getting up to the net and actually being able to finish the point is so important because you you, you spend a, a lot of energy setting up the point and then in many cases you're going to get a short reply or you're going to have to volley and if you can't put it away then you're just uh it's very frustrating definitely um, yeah for sure and then with the second drill, I actually have done that as well, and it it really um it just really helps your footwork intensity. So, like you said, just being able to get around the ball, and um, then you can hit a majority of your shots using your strength. And so, obviously, if you're doing that, you're going to be successful. Definitely. So, Paul, now shifting to the pros, the ATP Tour, can you tell us the differences that you saw between the professional game and the college game? I think the big difference is that the top pros really didn't have a weakness. 
there and every single top pro's footwork was just impeccable um especially the higher you get on the rankings you know when you're playing guys top 300 top 200 you've got in terms of 500 plus out from the rankings you do have a lot of top college guys who are coming in playing you've got you know obviously you have a myriad of players from different countries i mean you know just to get one atp point i I mean it it definitely is challenging you got to go through you know multiple rounds of qualification be guys with world rankings just to qualify for some kind of lower level tournament and then you have to win at least you know usually usually it's like like two matches or more in one of these events just a main draw so you're you're probably having to beat five guys with a world ranking just to get one atp point so it's definitely a grind but the guys that are you know at the top level they're just really they're just so solid and they really just don't have any glaring weaknesses and all of them do have at least one weapon be it a serve be it just a great forehand mm-hmm. but you know the kind of theme across the board for the top guys is amazing footwork and mm-hmm. the guys that don't have you know that's that kind of separates those guys from the guys in the 500 plus is the no weakness and the and the footwork i, I really think and and in the and mentally they're just not giving up free points i mean there's so much fewer free points that you're getting from as you go up the rankings and the players you're really to beat them you you have to beat them you you know because they're not going to beat themselves and they're not giving away anything so going up the ranking and playing against those guys i mean you, you just see that at you know the higher level of tournaments you play right so paul just a recap the things that you see that distinguish uh, the top guys from the lower guys are at least one weapon and amazing footwork, and then also uh, being strong mentally. Is that does that sound correct? Right? Yeah, definitely. Nice. So, Paul, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, experiences in in individual matches. So, uh, first off, is there any like really memorable match that you remember playing uh, on the on the college tour, or, or on the college? Or oh, sorry, in, in the in the pros. In the pros, okay. Um, yeah, I would say you know I was playing playing at the. At the DC tournament, that was always a highlight. It was it was definitely really special. One year, I'm trying to think back. It was 2000 when I got to play on the center court at nighttime, and it was right after Agassi played. I got to play wow. a guy Carl Carl Kuchera, who is obviously he beat Agassi at the French Open mm-hmm. um, a couple months before, and just getting to compete against him, you know, in the lights. I mean, it was it was pretty overwhelming, but I mean, it was you know what a great experience to be out there and. You know, an amazing player, and I know there was um, another match when I just just graduated college, and I was able to qualify for the DC tournament. I played in is, and that was a night match again. I was on a small side court, and I was playing a guy that was former top hundred guy, and you know he beat me up pretty bad in the first set, and then I just I got my way back into the match, and then all of a sudden we're in the third set, and it's two all in the third set, and you know, I've got my whole family and a good amount of friends and people that I've known just for so many years out there supporting me and yelling and screaming. I mean, it was just, um, it was really electric. And no one, unfortunately, the only guy clapping for the other guy, even if he won a point, was, you know, his coach. And then, <laughs> but, um, so that was definitely memorable. I ended up losing, losing it, unfortunately. But just being out there and competing, you know, that's, for me, that's what it's all about. Just competing. Uh, that was, that was, really the the best part of tennis for me was just competing and having fun out there um i definitely miss that and 
I've been able to play a little bit more, just as you said, with guys like you and who are you know great players and other other players and you know doing some leagues. So it's just nice to get back into it after a pretty big hiatus from not competing for a while and having family and work and you know. So that's uh, it's definitely nice to do that. Yeah, Paul, it's definitely a yeah, truly an honor to have you in the leagues. You know, having a former pro like yourself uh, playing against this uh, mere mortals. <laughs> And also, I, I do want to ask you about how you approach big points. Like, I'm just curious, did you ever have any sort of specific mindset or go-to play when you when there were, a big point was about to happen, or did you just kind of base it on the situation? Kind of walk us through mentally your approach to big points. I would try. I would definitely try to play a little mind games with myself when I was when there was a big point. If say it was break point, you know, someone's serving, you know, you're. You're up 5-4, but you got break point on the person's serve. I would try to trick myself and say, look, I'm down 40 love. You know, let's try to get back into this game. Don't think that it's really set point here. Really try to play a little mind games with yourself and try to take a little pressure off yourself. You know, I think that always helped me a little bit, trying to trying to think that way. Um, you know, also, also not on a big point. You know, you know the other guy's probably nervous as well so really trying to play with you know within yourself not don't make any stupid errors but when you have the right moment go with your strength and go for your shot so i try to set up if i had a forehand somewhere in the court i'd you know i'd say look i'm living and dying with my forehand i'm gonna go for it um so that's kind of how i play a big point as well so just trying to trying to not make any silly errors as well was is, is key to on a big point that's awesome advice, Paul. It's, it's definitely going to be pure gold for a lot of our, our audience. Um, I do like how you um, kind of trick your mind in so that you can kind of not think about it. Oh, it, you know, it's break point and you gotta got to win it or something like that. And um, just really important to focus on the process and, and just try to take care of the point. And also, I do like how you just mentioned about playing to your strengths and going to your bread and butter because that's definitely what you want to do on a big point because then you'll be more comfortable in the point instead of trying to do something definitely crazy <laughs> definitely yeah there's there's a great um there's a great book brad gilbert winning ugly that's mm -hmm. definitely that really kind of hits that home of playing to your strengths and playing to an opponent's weaknesses and brad gilbert was a master tactician and you know he was able to get whatever you know is top five in the world or wherever he got to and he obviously wasn't you know as talented as the other guys in his in his error but tactically i mean he was he was great so that that's another great resource for different tips and things you can look at thanks for that paul that's awesome I, everybody should definitely go out and read brad's book and uh, I feel like he should pay you commission for that horseman uh, <laughs> right. right there. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. He's, uh, he's an amazing coach. Yeah, that's for sure. And now another thing that I'm sure everybody is curious about and I see being asked all the time is take us through kind of like a normal training day for you when you were uh, on the pro tour, you know, like how many hours you played and versus trained in the exercise room and yeah. stuff like that. You know, as I mentioned before, fitness was the critical piece if you were going to take your game to the next level. So the day usually started out with some kind of fitness, either it was long distance or it was sprints. So, you know, it mix it up there. And usually in the morning time, it would be drills, doing as many drills as I could. Some of the drills we talked about, and you know, obviously other drills. I When I was playing on the pro tour, I would do a lot of drills with guys that 
I would play with and travel with. There's Patrick Osuno, who's a great friend, one of my best friends. We would tr- we would um, practice together all the time and really drill each other and then work with Vesa as well when he had the chance and he was great. Then there would be a rest and then in the afternoon you'd try to play some sets and matches and try to incorporate what you did in your drills and then just try to get some rest. You know, obviously after eat well and, you know, just try to enjoy yourself. So it was usually, you know, it was probably six days a week. There was always one day off. Then obviously you'd be playing a lot of tournaments as much as you could. I mean, I, I really, on the pro tour, you know, it was probably less than two years that I played, but I really gave it my all and I did whatever I could. But, you know, obviously, you, you have to be realistic. There's only so many people that are going to be in the top 200, you know, or top 100. And, and I just realized at that point, you know, after a couple of years, that this this was a great experience. But, you know, I just, um, could I have been at that level? Who even knows if I would have made it? But there were so many amazing players, and it was just, um, it was a great experience. Yeah, Paul. And I mean, that's, again, you know, Paul is a really, really smart guy. Um, he, he didn't just do well in, in tennis. He also does really well in his current job as a, uh, as a vice president and senior uh, mortgage banker. Is that right, Paul? That's right. Yeah. I work at Eagle Bank, and it's just a great place, great people. Like, from the top, I mean, there's the president, Ron Paul, is just such a good guy. And it's been a great experience. I mean, I've, I've been doing mortgages for 15 years. So, I, yeah, I got out of tennis. And after I stopped playing competitively, I was I, I was trying to coach for a little bit. And I just loved it. I loved everything about tennis. But I just wanted to go a different direction at that point to see if, you know, my economics major in business at... Um, from UNC could translate into some kind of other career. So yeah, I just gave mortgage banking a, a try at that point. And I, I really, you know, everything about it, I love it. And it's got some similarities to tennis where, you know, you're learning about things and then you're competing on, you know, loans, trying to help people out. So it, it's, um, it's been great. It's been, it's been a, it's been a real great industry for me. And I, I you know, I met some amazing people just like through tennis. I, I met so many great people through tennis and I've, you know, equally have met great people through the mortgage industry as well. So I'm very thankful and blessed with the opportunity. Right. And I know our, our friend Harris Rosenblatt, uh, I, you work with Harris, right? I do. I do. So yeah, he's been, he's been a great source. I mean, he you know, obviously introduced me to Nancy Ornstein at a very young age. She was a huge reason for my success on building a great base. And then I started out in the mortgage business with Harris. And we've been kind of working with each other back and forth for 15 years at different companies. And we you know, landed at Eagle almost six years ago. So, we, you know, it's it's great working with him as well. And he's he's been a great person and friend. Sure. And uh, I just want to talk a bit about how... Paul's training in tennis has, I believe, has transitioned into his success working. He's actually been rated the top 100 mortgage banker for you know, numerous years. And I think that you can attribute that to just Paul's training and his constant drive to succeed and to better himself. And there are a lot of traits that you can take from the tennis court into into your life, whether it's working or relationships or anything else. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've been blessed. I mean, tennis has been a blessing, just being able to play and compete and, and what it's taught me in life. I mean, it really has. I mean, at, at every level. And, you know, it's 
been really fortunate to translate. Um, you know, it does have a lot of similarities to any kind of business, what you put into it and what is what you're going to get out of it. So, you know, I know I've always told everyone from people I've coached, people I'm trying to mentor that hard work's, you know, the key to um, being a great tennis player. And, you know, if you could work hard and, and learn what you're doing and learn from your mistakes and compete, then the same thing can translate in business. And, I mean, you never know what next year is going to hold in mortgage business or, or tennis. And all you can do is hope for the best and, and work hard and, and do things the right way. And I've always tried to focus on that. And I've just been really fortunate. I appreciate all that, Paul. I do want to ask you one other question. Since this episode is geared to help people uh, compete in tennis, what is one thing that you think will help people succeed when they're competing in tennis? Like The most important thing that you think will help them? To be able to compete in tennis, I, I mean, obviously, hard work is key. It's going to give you confidence in competing. So if you can put the time in and practice, and you know, obviously, if people don't have time to practice all the time, then even if it's that one hour that they practice, you know, a week or, you know, a couple hours a week. It's really just to focus and and work hard and work really smart. And it's going to give you the confidence in competition because, you know, if you if you did the right things in practice and you you worked hard and worked smart, you're going to have so much more confidence in competition. And that really that that really, I, I think, for me is, you know, has helped the most. And I think that's critical piece of being able to be successful in competition that's awesome advice paul i do want to mention one thing about paul it's interesting he's actually ambidextrous on tennis court so it's definitely surprising to see you uh play paul when you uh i I hope i don't mess this up but i think you hit your ground strokes lefty and then you hit your serve and overhead righty is that it that's right yeah yes from a young age i was starting to do that I, i did have some shoulder problems with my left and i think that might have been part of the reason why i was serving right but wow. you know it just kind of translated into that and could i i you know it's it's just something that i started doing i could hit left i could hit lefty overheads okay but you know it's just it, it's yeah it's definitely unique so um you know you just got to go with what you can do so i've been I've been fortunate it was nice to have you know nice to um have that combination Awesome, Paul. Well, um, again, thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, is there any contact info you want to give out to the audience? My web page is pretty simple. It's um, there's a mortgage web page. It's Paul H Lending. You know, it's just a mortgage page. So that's really my my focus right now is is trying to help people in my business, or if they ever even need any advice, or you know, they're thinking about doing something in terms of you know residential mortgages. I'm always happy to just just give someone free advice as well. But now that's pretty much it. Awesome, Paul. Well, uh, I definitely recommend Paul's services. He's an awesome guy. He's he's so nice, and he's very successful at uh, what he does at his job, as well as, as you can see, his tennis career uh, throughout. Paul, I just want to thank you so much for speaking with us. We've definitely learned a ton from your experience crushing it at, at all levels of, of tennis and playing on the tour. So again, thank you for talking with us on the Tennis Files podcast, and I hope you have a great weekend and try to stay warm and avoid the snow. Great. Thanks so much, Marban. Thanks, Paul. You take care. All right. Okay, take care. I hope you really enjoyed and learned a ton from my interview with Paul Harsani. 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you gave the Tennis Files podcast a five-star review on iTunes or whatever review you see fit for the podcast. And I also highly encourage you to download my free ebook, The Building Blocks of Tennis Success, by visiting tennisfiles.com slash ebook. Now, thanks again so much for listening. Keep improving your game and have a wonderful week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.